0: What's up, everyone? Thanks for joining me. The pain continues. Hope you made it through the week, but the pain continues. This is where it's not fun. It can't always be fun. I wish it. I wish it was. I've been getting a lot of messages this week. What do you do? What's going on? You know, <laughs> we're losing money. Hey, man, we're all losing money. This is what happens. I mean, <clears throat> it is what it is. We're approaching correction territory. Almost there. Probably by the time you catch this episode, it it will be, but. Obviously, a lot of it is te- uh, accredited to inflation and the Fed's reaction to said inflation. Now, is it being oversold at the moment? Yeah. Yeah, probably. But are we at the bottom yet? I don't think so. I think we still got a little bit of room to go. I don't think we're going to... Some of these numbers I've been hearing people talk about as far as the NASDAQ, S&P, I don't think we're going to hit like crazy low. We are going to see a little more pain, I think. But... I don't think we're going to see devastating numbers. When you look at, like I said this on a couple of the last week episodes, like when you look at certain companies, and some of them are already crashed more than 50%. I think like a third of the NASDAQ is more than 50% below their recent highs, all-time highs. So when people talk about corrections, and, and a, or not even corrections, when they talk about a crash, it's like, but buddy, look around. I mean, look at Roku, look at Clover, look at, Robinhood, Coinbase, Peloton, I mean, uh, Palantir, Skills. I don't even have have Skills anymore. I had a little bit left and I got rid of it at a loss for taxes last year. But just there's there's endless companies. And the running theme, the companies that are getting pummeled the most, obviously, growth tech stocks, but the ones that are getting really pummeled the most are the ones that have no revenue. So that's what's... and, And unfortunately, a lot of companies that we love don't have profit yet. Like um for example, one of my favorites, Airbnb. Um now does it mean I'm gonna sell out of the stock and, and rotate into some of this other these other sectors that are hot right now? Like of course not. That's what's so silly is it's like I feel like Wall Street media is always trying to play like what's the what's the hot play right now? Which I guess makes sense because it's boring to go on every day and just say, Hey, dollar cost average, you know? Um so that's that would be annoying. I get that, but at the same time, as an investor, you can't just turn on CNBC and go, "Oh shit, I gotta sell my tech stocks and go rotate into energy stocks and the casino stuff." Like what? Because that's if you're if you're listening to everything, that's the play right now. It's like energy and casinos. Hey man, if you want to get rid of your Microsoft stock for like Exxon Mobil, go for it. But I'm not advising that over the long term. You know, it's just like it's just. There's gonna be times like this where it's not fun, and and this is where it helps to always have cash on the side. I know a lot of people have been writing me, being like, "Oh man, this is I want to buy, and I bought the dip, and what do I do now?" It's like right now, you just kind of wait, wait to see some life. So, you know, take a breath. I definitely added to some, to some positions that are under at the moment, but that's fine because we're just going through a period. We're going through a correction right now, so look at your account in terms of number of shares you're holding in the companies, not in dollar amount of the total account. Also, just don't log into your account unless you're buying or selling. That's always a recurring uh, rule of my own. I haven't logged into my account since last week sometime. Like mid last week, I haven't bought anything. So I'm not going to look at it and bum myself out. I know it's not doing well, but I know it's temporary. So Try to set goals for yourselves. Like during times like this, distract yourself from the pain and almost like make it to make it more motivating to see lower numbers. Now we don't want that, obviously, in the long run, but in the short, it can be nice, obviously, because that's where the opportunity is, like we keep saying. So for me, I keep saying, Okay, I want X amount of these shares. I'm gonna try to get to this many shares of let's say NVIDIA. Let's say I want, you know, hundred shares of Nvidia. I don't have that, but let's say you know I'm I want to get there. I can use this time to do it. This is, this is a good time to go through something like that. Where it's like, okay, I can add ten or for Square. Square, for example, I keep talking about Square, and we'll go. We'll get into more of them in detail a little bit later. But Square, for example, was what p- pushing almost three hundred dollars a share at its high not too long ago, a few months ago. Now it's at one twenty nine, one twenty eight, something crazy. It's getting close to 100. And so to me, to think that I could add 20 you know, twenty shares or 10 at a time for $1,000, that's crazy to me. To think of how much you could increase that position and strengthen, like I've already strengthened my square position by like 35, 40%, I think. I'm trying to double down. My goal is to eventually, during this time, to double my, my square position. And it was already a pretty big holding. But my th- I'm trying to literally double my share count while it's down like this. Because I bought some shares while it was high. I bought a lot of shares while it was low, obviously. But now that I've seen where it was and where it can go, I'm like, oh shit, I still believe in this company. I still believe in what they're doing. It's still the best play in fintech to me. So I'm going to keep buying these shares. Um, I guess we'll just get into square in more detail right now. Why Why delay it? You know? <laughs> so it's like... I. I'm going to keep adding on to it because I, I, nothing has fundamentally changed in my belief for the company. If anything, my conviction has gotten stronger. I've talked about how Jack Dorsey leaving Twitter is good for the company. Their their acquisition with Afterpay is huge. And I was reading more about Afterpay just this week from the block uh, Square square uh, CFO, Emerita Ahuja. I think that's how you pronounce it. A-H-U-J-A. Ahuja? Ahuya. Amarita is her first name. It's kind of cool. It's a cool name. Uh, but what she says about Afterpay, um, what it brings to the cash app and seller side of the business. So I'm just going to literally read this quote. I found it on Twitter. but I think it's really interesting to go through it. Okay, so brace yourselves. What Afterpay what Afterpay brings is a very complimentary set of 16 million consumers globally, obviously a portion of which is the United States, also indexes to digital natives, Gen Z millennials with an aspirational brand, but with a more complimentary sort of coastal higher income set of consumers than what we see Index do for Cash App across our 40 million monthly active, 70 million annual actives. But what Afterpay has been able to do with their 16 million consumers and 100,000 largely enterprise merchants is drive 1 million leads a day from the Afterpay app into merchants. For some of those merchants, that's more than Instagram is providing them. That's a real marketing vehicle. That goes beyond just being a payment type, or a payment utility. Of course, that utility underpins the engagement and the daily utility of the app, but the potential for merchants here is around the marketing opportunity, is around the funnel of discoverability inside of Cash App for for shopping opportunities and the unique incentives that we can provide as we begin to see more and more of both sides of the transaction. And what we see with Afterpay, of course, they do see both sides of the transaction and what they see is opportunities for consumers to grow their frequency with Afterpay. The average of the 60 million consumers is transacting 15 times a year through Afterpay. Their Australian cohorts, which are more mature, are transacting 30 times a year through Afterpay. And merchants who are seeing that traction through Afterpay see 20 to 25 percent uplift in their average order volume. So again, at the scale of Cash App, you can imagine the future, future potential here. Is how the little the quote ends. So Cash App has 40 million users, as they're saying. So driving this into the cash app or to the afterpay market, basically they're saying right now for some of these merchants, the afterpay is doing more for them than, than Instagram, and Instagram is doing so. Instagram and like YouTube essentially are doing so well. Facebook, all these companies that will fa- Instagram owns Facebook, but Google and Facebook recently have just been giants because of their online market. I mean, Facebook that's hundred percent of their money. All their money is is online is ads. Uh, and look how big they are, over a trillion dollars just from selling targeted ads, essentially. Um, Google, massive because of YouTube. YouTube now is making the same revenue that uh, Netflix is, and it's a just subsidiary, It's just a, a piece of Google, but a lot of it's because of all the, the targeted ads that are coming through there. So if Afterpay is driving a better return than even Instagram, it goes to show how powerful that, that acquisition is going to be for Square. So it's something I've been excited about with Square for a minute, because unlike a firm, a firm is just a buy now pay later service. So you're seeing it getting pummeled right now, especially again, because not profitable, like we were saying, tech companies that are not profitable, are going to be extra fucked right now for lack of better term. The tech companies that that are, that are really spec that are really speculative. They're really in trouble. But just like with anything, high risk, high reward. That's that's always the case. Uh, but just in the current environment, extra risk. So it's interesting to see. Um, but like I said, Afterpay, or sorry, Affirm is just a buy now, pay later. Square acquiring Afterpay has all their everything else that they do, um, in addition. So it's like you're seeing a firm take quite a bit of a hit because it's like all they're doing is buy, not pay later. We've talked about some of the downfalls of buy, not pay later, like some people not paying their obligations. So there is still that. But when you look at fintech across the board, I still feel like Square is by far the best deal and the most disruptive company in that space. And again, I reiterate, Jack Dorsey's a lunatic. You want a lunatic on your side. There's another quote I wanted to pick up from an article. Um... I believe this was from Motley Fool. I make fun of Motley Fool a lot because they kind of flip-flop back and forth. But For once, once in a while, I'll find a, a nice article from them. Um, so here's one that, that kind of reiterated how Kathy Wood's been buying up the dip in Block slash Square recently, um, which I've talked about in the last couple episodes here. Uh, but what this article says here is it, it's important to keep your eyes on the bigger picture. As of time of this writing, which was like, I think, two days ago, Block trades for less than six times its trailing 12-month sales. For context, buy now, pay competitor, Affirm trades at 33 times sales, while PayPal trades at nine times sales. Given her bullish stance on the crypto economy and the impressive performance of the Cash App, it may not be surprising that famed tech investor Kathy Wood has been bargain hunting, buying the dip in block after it hit a new 52-week low in early January. And it has been hitting a 52-week low I mean, pretty much every day for a couple of weeks, it feels. So you know, again, I don't follow Kathy blindly. We talk about how I've talked about for uh, almost over a year now, how I've been out of the ETFs because I just like, I don't like being married to all of her moves, but I liked seeing that she's still buying block after it's been taking quite of a hit. Uh, So, but she's seeing the same thing I am. It's, is it still an expensive tech stock? Yeah, sure. That's how every tech stock is. You're rarely going to find them for a deal. But when you look at the the space, it's it's not taken as big of a hit as everyone else in the air in the space, and still has more upside. So, I had a friend reach out to me today saying, "Like, man, I want to buy more Square. Where is it gonna? Where is it? How low can it go? I mean, who knows? It could it could break a hundred. But I do feel like at that point, even now, there's way more upside than downside. I see Square. Even Square goes down to let's say." 90 bucks, 80 bucks a share. There's still far more... There's way more upside to me than downside. Especially at that point. It goes to 80 bucks, the downside zero versus $160. It was at 280 in November. So it's like... And, and, and the company hasn't changed. They're fundamentally, fundamentally, the company hasn't changed. Inflation's pummeling them, no doubt. But the company hasn't changed necessarily. So it's like, if you loved a company a year ago, why wouldn't you love them now? I just I don't, you know, basically my point being, don't let the current market conditions change your conviction about certain companies. Now, sure. Shake out some of the trim, some of the fat in your portfolio if you want. I mean, maybe you should have done that at the end of the year, uh, last year, like I was doing in my own account and then putting it into stuff. I really believed and trying to narrow my focus before the year even started. So, you know, you could go through that, trim some of the fat. Um, but finding cash any way you can at the, at the time is, it it is beneficial to go into harder into the companies you're really going to believe in. So for me, we, we, we all know most of those at this point, um, you know, Google, Apple, Square, Tesla, mostly Tesla, obviously that's like more than half my por- about half my portfolio um speaking of tesla it just dipped below a thousand uh, market after market close today so worth picking up more of that we'll see how tomorrow holds but again as far as buying right now i'm kind of just sitting on my hands for the moment trying to see a little more life we've seen a lot of head fakes the last couple of weeks we've seen a lot of um hang on sorry i'm so distracted by a soccer game right now holy shit all right, I'm back. I had to, I had a English Premier League soccer game on mute in the background, and I wasn't at all paying attention to it. But it was Leicester City versus Tottenham. For anyone that's listening to this who knows those teams, and Leicester was up two to one versus Tottenham in the 94th minute, and then I looked up, and then Tottenham was winning three to two. So in a minute and a half, the team losing scored two goals to go up three to two and steal the victory. Holy shit! I know no one cares about it. But now I won't be distracted because I had it on mute and it was like distracting me for the last second. And uh, but now we're back, we're back uh, and alive. And before we before we keep going, let's make sure to mention this episode, like all the episodes so far this month, is again sponsored by Walking Apollo, band out of Texas. Their debut album, "You're My Pride and Joy," came out uh, beginning of this month, New Year's Day. It's available everywhere digitally. Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon. I think they specifically are trying to get listens on Spotify. So, hey, give it give it a listen on the old Spotify. We'll end this episode with another song of theirs that they sent over. I think they sent me four for the whole month. So, we got one for every episode this month. Uh, we'll make sure to play that again. Um, so, make sure to give that a listen. Walking Apollo, You're My Pride and Joy, etc. is the album on Spotify. Give it a follow. Give it a listen. It's good music. Like I said, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't say if it was not good. If it was. If it was not good, I would just plug it and say, "Hey, go check it out." They're nice people. They are that, but it also is good music. So go check it out. Help support um, good artists and ones that clearly have good taste in podcasts, because they're they're sitting here listening to me. So go check them out. Uh, we'll make sure to play that again. At the end of the episode, Walking Apollo. And we'll also put the links in the bio of the, ep- or not the bio, <laughs> in the description of the episode, like we've been doing uh, with all the other episodes so far this month. All right, moving on. Um, again, to reiterate what to do now, that's the number one question I've been getting what to do now. If you have enough cash, dollar cost average. I was talking to a friend, look, we'll keep talking about Square Block. Uh, she doesn't have any Square stock at the moment and wanted to to get some and was like well I wanted to go close to 100 I was like hey it's at 130 now just buy one or two shares a day over the next week or two and if it does keep going down you're gonna find yourself with an average cost of like 120 115 bucks which is in which is awesome going forward to have a cost average of like 115 to 120 dollars on square stock would be fantastic because to me I see it going to 250 300 in the not too far future and then past that who knows i mean the 10 15 years out who who knows but at least next few years you can assure that money is going to at least double um if not a little more than so the dollar cost average if you can if you don't have enough ton of cash sit or, sit and wait like i keep saying wait see a little life see where it's going to level out see where the dust is going to settle i think this month is going to be rough the whole month. So. Let's kind of see where January ends. Um, so that's my two cents on that. Build your watch list at the time. Don't buy any. Don't buy any companies you don't know. Don't just buy a company because they're down. Make sure there's something that they're a company you really believe in. Like I've been doing that for Netflix in my parents' account. I've talked about Netflix intermittently over the last year. So in my parents' account, I've started buying it as it's taking a hit because it's a company I really believe in. So, um, and I've talked about that at Nauseam but, um, they're hitting a nice price point. Same with like Spotify hitting a nice price point. Square is already there. Apple load up as much as you can before it goes back over 200. So there is opportunities out there. I Tesla under a thousand is uh, almost a no brainer to me. Uh, I might be getting a little greedy with it by waiting another day and seeing if it'll go even lower. So we'll see. Um, Nvidia taking a big hit. Nvidia now hitting 250. So, as Nvidia gets closer to 2, again, no-brainer. Um, also, Nvidia was a number one company on Glassdoor. If you don't look at Glassdoor at all, Glassdoor, they rate... Um, they're like Yelp reviews for companies. They're like Yelp for employers. So, Glassdoor released their annual top companies to work for, for. For 2021, 2022, the number one company was Nvidia. In that top 10, I did see a lot of companies I have stock in throughout the top 50 a lot of the companies I had stock in so it was nice to see of course it's a lot of tech companies because they like to take care of their employees because they have to because if they don't they'll go to other companies for better money and more money and so of course the NVIDIA is going to be up there because I'm sure their employees have nice stock option plans and I'm sure they enjoy that so and in addition to if you've ever seen like a corporate uh, campus for like Google or any of these companies Adobe Salesforce it's like a fucking like adult playgrounds it's fucking crazy they're like, yeah, this is our beanbag chair lounge where we have every cereal imaginable you can just get and hang out. And you're like, what's the point of that? Like, aren't you here to work? No, this is the cereal lounge where we just eat all the cereal. And then we go over here where we have uh, every candy bar you can think of just here for you to have. Um, all my examples are with food. They all get, like, that's crazy. They all get, they have the crazy awesome food in their campuses and it's all free you they're making shitloads of money. Whatever. Um... So, but I like seeing NVIDIA at the top of that list because it means they're going to retain their talent. Um, so, oh, before I forget, there was another quote about Square I forgot to mention because uh, just in in t- to tie in with that uh, price to sales ratio, there was a great quote just to kind kind of tie into what I've been saying about like, don't lose convictions of the companies you really believe in because of the current market. Also, just in randomly, I love getting a lot of information from Twitter. Like finance on Twitter is great. Not if you just re- just read, absorb everything, but it's just like you can get sentiment of like you can get an overall investor sentiment on Twitter very easily, I feel. And that's, that's a nice thing. So here's what I found. Square is a few bucks above the 200-week, four-year moving average price. And then he goes on to say, if you love a company and it gives you a 200-weekly moving average and you're not buying, probably should just index everything. I think that's hilarious. It's also, it makes a good point where it's like, look, if you're going to invest in individual companies and you're not going to take advantage of it getting at a 200 month average, like why, then what are you doing investing in individual companies? It's basically what he's saying. It's like, if you're not going to, if you're not going to come in at this opportunity then just, then just, then just buy index, just buy an index fund, just invest in the S and P invest in the NASDAQ, whatever, and just put in money and forget about it. Because if you're not going to take advantage of this time, then, then what are you doing? So, like I said, I'm trying to double my square position. I'm trying to, uh, increase my Tesla as much as I can. I'm trying to build more cash too. I've been spending a good amount of cash. I still have a couple thousand dollars left to spend, but I'm waiting to see how the dust settles first before we we go into all that um but even still like i, I want to build some cash cuz there's some things in my life i need to have cash for like as much as i love my camry my beloved camry it, it might not to uh it might be getting towards the end of its road here as much as i don't want it to um i mean it's got like almost 300,000 miles on it it's done its job no doubt and i just took i drove to st louis this weekend and back like five and a half hours each way no problem and by the way st louis is a busted ass city no offense to people in st louis i don't think missouri like i'm sure there's cool cities in in missouri like every every that's the thing with people live on the coast like la new york or even chicago more la new york though people on the coast they think everywhere outside of the the coast sucks and that's there's some truth to that but at the same time it's like every city has its charm to some degree it's like especially like um some of these like mid-major cities it's like because I'll go to some of these cities like St. Louis or Birmingham Alabama Cincinnati Ohio and people kind of like will be like oh man that sucks it's like yeah but like every town has like the same shit these days you know hang on I have a sneeze it's coming I think nope it was a fake out but I kind of got a, a cut a cold in St. Louis which was weird but my, my point about like every city kind of has the same shit, it's like when you go to a lot of these places, like every city has like, okay, here's the trendy bars, here's the cool coffee shops, here's like the hipster part of town, here's the restaurants. It's like they all kind of have like the same shit these days. They all have a brewery. They all have like a place to go. Like the one thing I will say is some of these places outside of the coast don't have good ethnic food, like really just good like Asian cuisine. It's hard to come by. Uh, like, I really love ramen, sushi, pho. That stuff's hard to come by. But to be fair, it's hard to come by even in, like, L.A. L.A. has good sushi, but not really good ramen or pho. Um, but I digress. Um, but St. Louis, man, that town is on the decline. It's just, it's rough. It's weird walking around downtown because, like, you see just buildings falling apart. And no one, and, like, there's, they're beautiful buildings. These buildings were, like, in, in New York City, you'd be like, oh, my God, there'd be, like, a $20 million penthouse at the top of this thing. And just and like a gorgeous, expensive apartments throughout. But in St. Louis, there's, just like, tons of those buildings, and they're completely abandoned. And you're just like, oh, my God, the amount of money that would be required to get this building back on track and nice. And and you think of, like, who would be moving into this city? There's no industry here. There's no, like, what... or there, It's like, what? Who would... I don't know. Um, and I didn't have good coffee the whole time I was there. I kept trying to find it, couldn't find. I've kind of ruined myself by buying, you know, snoo- snooty coffee around the country and then making pour overs at home. The problem is making pour overs at home. Buying really good coffee at expensive coffee shops and then making pour overs at home has ruined my coffee experience. And right now I can't taste anything. It's not COVID, it's my sinuses are all fucked up. Um so I wanna have a I wanna make a nice cup of coffee now that I'm home in my pour over, and I can't well I can, but I won't be able to taste it, so it's irrelevant. But making those at home has ruined my coffee on the road. Now I go into coffee shops and I'm like, oh, this is shit. <laughs> I've just become that douchebag. Um it's not good. Uh but anyways, my, my long point being my car can still make it to St. Louis, but it, it's, it's on the way out where it's like, I, I need to, I want to buy a new vehicle in the next year here, but uh, inventories for that because the supply chains are all messed up. So I'm hoping my car will last till like end of summer or like, you know, going into winter next year. So I can replace it and buy another Camry, just buy a new one. Um, So I need to have some cash on the sidelines for that kind of stuff. But Outside of that, it's like, I I keep saying, it's like, unless you're buying real estate, like, where else are you going to put your cash? Like, what else are you going to do with it? And I was reading an article on Yahoo Finance that kind of agreed with what I was saying. An investment analyst at eTuro, Callie Cox, appeared on Yahoo Finance Live to break down the current macro environment. Um, And she kind of said the same thing, where it's like, basically thinks that there's... You know kind of an overreaction happening to the fed policy and basically saying there is no alter no alternative um to having all these stockpiles of cash um and like this is what uh the quote in this article said tnia or tina short for there is no alternative tina is actually one of the big concepts we're really stressing on this year especially to our customers because right now the environment feels incredibly uncomfortable and yes we are processing a Fed that is likely going to make some policy changes this year but at the same time there's a lot of cash on the sidelines and not a lot of places for it to go right and inflation is a top concern but like i've been saying the last few episodes inflation's always happening and even though it's bad right now you're still better off investing in tech stocks than leaving it in cash and yes inflation's at a high But when you when you look at that inflation adjusted versus the consumer price index, it's actually it's actually not that bad. Now inflation still, like I said, it's at a high. But Kelly Cox, this in um, analyst at Etoro, points out as well when you look at the ten year treasury. Like yes, the ten year treasury is at like uh, the ten year treasury note is at like the highest point in two years, I think. But Adjusted for inflation, it's at the lowest point in 50 years. Because if you look at the 10 year yield and adjust for inflation, adjust it for the consumer price, year over year growth, you're losing about 5.5% on average. So that's not good. You know? So it's like, What else are you gonna do with your cash? Like I said, if you're not buying real estate, what else are you gonna do? And buying stocks, yes, it's painful at the moment, but this is where you're gonna really build yourself for the future. And that's why I say don't look at the dollar amount of your account, don't look at how much money you might be losing. Just look at be like, look how many shares I'm acquiring, look how many other extra shares. Like I got this many more shares of Apple or this many more shares of whatever Tesla. So focus on that because that's where you can see. That's just where it gets more exciting too. You can kind of like motivate yourself more, being like, and then as it gets lower, you can make, ooh, cool! I can get five more shares. It's going to be costing even less money now. Now, hopefully, it doesn't keep going because then you don't want it to get to the point where you're like, oh wow, I can get everything's free. You know, you don't to to blow up. But that's just a way to look at it. Um, other big thing I haven't talked about yet. Uh, that was major news this week. Microsoft acquiring Activision Blizzard. Massive, massive deal. What, $69 billion, $70 billion deal? Hey, Microsoft can afford it. It's a great move. I've talked, it's one of my principles I talk about all the time. Great partnerships, strategic acquisitions. This isn't a partnership. This is a straight up purchase. Microsoft's acquiring uh, Activision Blizzard, which means every single game that Activision Blizzard makes, I think mainly the big ones like Call of Duty, guess what? That shit's about to be Microsoft exclusive. So guess who just went from wanting a PS4 to wanting an Xbox. Yours truly. I still want an X. Ex- I still want the PlayStation Five because of again exclusivity rights. I think it's smart. Anyone that has any exclusivity rights to anything that they own should keep it that way because you're going to force people to just buy your product by doing it. It's annoying as a consumer, but it works. Because for example, in the video- I'm not a big video game player, but. I literally only want a PlayStation Five to play MLB the Show. It's a baseball game that's only on PlayStation exclusively. So I'm gonna go buy a whole system just for that. And I'm not the only one. I know other people that'll do the same thing. Microsoft with the Xbox, Halo exclusive. If they can make Call of Duty exclusive, you're gonna have to buy a, a, a Xbox to play these titles. I initially bought an Xbox back in the day because I wanted to play the an Halo One. I was like, this game looks badass. I bought the Xbox just for that. So, and I'm and I'm now as crazy as it sounds. I love my Android, but I'm thinking about going back to Apple because of the use. It's just easy to use. Everyone has the the iMessages. Apple keeping iMessage exclusive to iPhones is annoying as fuck as an Android user, but it's driving off iPhone sales. I even had a friend who was recently going to switch to Android. But they gave her such a good deal on an iPhone, and then she was like, well, everything I already have is already like my Apple ID, my MacBook, my iPad, everything's already linked. It it makes sense. Like, Apple made that decision, like, I think, oh, just over a year ago to not integrate iMessages into uh, Android. As annoying as that is, it's a smart move. So Microsoft buying Activision Blizzard means they are 100% going to make all those titles exclusive to Xbox. I know video gamers are 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 debating it now and being like, "Oh no, they're not going to do that." Yeah, they will. They definitely will. So, and it'll be smart for them to do that. So, I don't own Microsoft stock or Activision Blizzard stock. I know uh, Activision went up quite a bit after this um uh, after this news was was announced, but I think I still sold active uh, my Activision Blizzard stock higher than what it is now. So, let's see uh Activision. Yeah, it's at 82 bucks. It popped a lot the other day because of uh, the Microsoft news. It was down in the low... It was down at 65 and then popped to 85 yesterday. Now it's at 82. So it popped 26% or almost 30% or something like that. But uh, wow, crazy. And so I sold my Activision Blizzard in the hundreds, like 110, 115, whatever it was. So even with this acquisition, I'm still doing Okay. I don't want Activision Blizzard stock. I don't have Microsoft stock, but it's one that I, again, it's a a no-brainer. I don't own any. If you do, great. Uh, As it dips, it's a great one to keep adding to. It's what I'm looking to add to for my parents' account. I don't own it, but I do like this Activision Blizzard deal. Now, just like with any acquisition, people always say that it's too expensive out of the gate. But of course, they're going to say that. They always say that shit. I can't think of a deal that's happened in the last 10, 15 years in this space where someone goes, Oh, what a bargain. Not not initially. Now years later, you look back and go, "Wow, brilliant move, genius move!" Like how much like like PayPal paying like what forty million for, or not even for uh, Venmo, or uh, you know YouTube or Google paying like a billion and change for two billion for YouTube, Facebook paying a billion for Instagram, and everyone thought that was crazy, and now it's the best investment Instagram, Facebook's made probably over a hundred x that investment. So, all the articles saying that the Activision Blizzard acquisition by Microsoft is too expensive, it's all white noise, it's all bullshit, who cares? Because Microsoft wouldn't... Like, I always say, it's like, do you think that a company the size of Microsoft, with their lawyers and their accountants, and all their people, do you think they're not going to do their due diligence? You know how, many pe- how many people it has to go through to have that, that deal happen? And how much, like how much like scrutiny they go through the books like you know how much their accountants probably looked at every piece of Activision Blizzard before they made that offer they looked at that and said okay we can still make money off of this same thing with the Spotify thing with Rogan everyone's like oh my god I can't believe they gave him 100 million dollars well Spotify is a 40 billion dollar company so they can afford it and if they can secure the number one podcast on the planet for 100 million over I think I forget how long the deal was but it was a long-term deal and so it's like, if you can eat, get all that market share for $100 million. and Rogan even said on his podcast recently, I think he said it on the episode recently with Tim Dillon. I was listening to it. Um, he said how initially when they left, when they went to Spotify exclusive, initially they lost half their audience, and now their audience is bigger than ever. So there you go. It goes to show exactly, you know, people made fun of that deal, but Spotify is already laughing all the way to the bank. So was Joe Rogan. So I see the same thing for this Microsoft deal with, with Blizzard. They definitely made the purchase knowing that they were going to take these games and make them exclusives. And so when you look at how much money they can make off of all these titles and how much they're going to take away from their competition because of it, it's a great deal. So, uh, if you have Microsoft stock, congratulations, it's a good deal. If not, whatever, uh see if it gets lower and buy some that's what i'm looking for around 300 if we can go sub 3 that's great we'll come in which is funny because i sold some at like 230 a year ago uh but i moved that money to other stuff so it is what it is we'll move it back in um another thing a couple other things i want to talk about before i get out of here um the i've been thinking about this recently i don't talk about crypto too much cuz i just buy bitcoin quietly you know, periodically here and there, uh, same with Ethereum, but, oh, wow. I just saw that futures looked really bad. Um, yeah, crazy. So, uh, I've been talking about, I've been thinking about selling off some crypto to just buy more stocks, but I've I've talked myself out of it because I just, I just have to keep talking about the, I keep, keep thinking about the investment behind crypto and that's kind of like my I understand the economics of crypto and when I see how much investment is being put behind it that gives me faith in in the future of it seeing things like what Jack Dorsey's doing with Block what PayPal's trying to do what all these fintech companies are trying to do and so anytime I start to doubt bitcoin or crypto in general I just think of the investment behind crypto and so I think it went from like a couple billion two years ago to like $30 billion last year was invested in the technology for crypto. And then according to LinkedIn, crypto job postings uh, jumped 395% in 2021. I know Block is aggressively hiring engineers because they're trying to build their own like Bitcoin mine Bitcoin mining chips and their own decentralized uh, crypto exchange. So that I know that Block is specifically hiring engineers quite aggressively um and then uh i think in addition to that just like a lot of hedge funds are starting to to get into it i've been seeing more and more posts about hedge funds dipping into bitcoin and in ethereum now they haven't touched the nfts and all these crazy altcoins people keep talking about so who knows but as far as the institutional money i think they definitely want to buy up bitcoin probably ethereum as well and you're seeing that reflected in the prices um it is tempting to take some of that Bitcoin money though, and and put it into stocks. I'm not going to do it because I keep re- I keep telling myself um, all this investment behind it, what it can do. It's it's too big. I don't want to say too big to fail. Knock on wood. That just sounds cocky. But that's kind of my approach to it. It's just there's so much behind it now. There's so much institutional power behind it now that it's almost like well, I can't be wrong. I can't know more about this than Michael Saylor and Kathy Wood and Jack Dorsey. And, and countless others, Mike Novogratz and all these people that just know a ton about crypto and, and are in that space. So, I'm saying it to, if you're debating it, to talk yourself out of it and myself out of it. It's just like, hey, stay in it. You know, keep crypto at 10%, maybe, uh, maybe a little bit more. But I, I try to keep it around like 10% of what my investment, my overall investment um, portfolio. So, we'll keep it there. It might be a little bit more than that now, but it's fine. Um but I want to end on this story, uh, talking about being doing your due diligence. Logan Paul uh, lost $3.5 million this last week, not in stocks, not in investing. Uh, well, I guess he kind of was trying to invest, but he bought Pokemon cards. He thought he bought all these like first edition boxes of Pokemon cards. Turns out they were fake. They opened the boxes and they were full of G.I. Joe cards. And it's like, that story is hilarious to me. I don't feel bad for him at all. First of all, he can afford it. So it's like anyone spending almost, you know, $4 million on fucking Pokemon cards has disposable income. So he can afford to lose it. I'm not saying he deserved to, but he kind of did deserve to. How do you spend $3.5 million on fake Pokemon cards? Like that's like, also the people that sold that to him would be facing grand larceny. I mean, they could be facing decades in prison for that. So it's like just because of the dollar amount involved. So I'm interested to see where that goes, but you would think that they were smart enough to hide their trail at that point, knowing they were selling fucking GI Joe cards wrapped in Pokemon cases and shrink wrapped in Pokemon boxes. But hey, do your due diligence. How do you not? How does that even happen? How did like? I guess the pitch is that's like, hey, they're unopened boxes, and so you're like, okay, cool. I guess I just they're just hoping no one ever opens them. But I guess once they did, they they jump ship. I mean, I just think it's hilarious because we've talked about collectibles <clears throat> in previous episodes uh, over the last year and how like that's been kind of a, a becoming a market. And people are investing in like comic books and Funko Pops and <clears throat> Pokemon cards and Magic the Gathering and all this stuff. And like I myself, I'm I'm selling comic books on eBay right now. I'm getting re- I'm going through some of my stuff, just trimming the fat of my collection because I, I always say it's like. I can't justify having more than like, let's say $5,000 worth of comic books because past that, it's irresponsible. It's worth more money in the stock market. It can do way more for me in the stock market. So I'm going through some of my books and selling off some stuff and trying to reinvest that money into some Marvel key books. I love Daredevil, but Daredevil is my favorite Marvel character. So I'm trying to buy some of the Marvel, uh, Daredevil key books. So like The first appearance of Electra, first appearance of Bullseye, followed by first appearance of the Kingpin and first appearance of Matt Murdock. All in order. Those are increasing in price. So I'm trying to like sell off, you know, I'm going through my short boxes of books I don't care about. and I'm selling off stuff, hoping to get like maybe five hundred thousand dollars worth. And I'm going to spend that on like a first appearance of Electra and first appearance of Bullseye. One or both. They're both like a couple hundred. The first appearance of Bullseye is like a four hundred, five hundred dollar book. And then past that first appearance of Wilson Fisk, the Kingpin is like $2,000, 3000 book. And then first appearance of Daredevil, Matt Murdock is like a twelve to $20,000 book. So I'm far away from those ones. Like even the first appearance of Wilson Fisk, Kingpin, like a couple thousand, $3,000 book. That would be by far the most valuable book I have in my collection if I was to buy it. But I'm not going to yet. But that's the thing. If I, if as I buy books over the years, some go up in value and I sell off the ones I don't care about to reinvest into to the the key the key books. Kind of like what I would tell people to do with some of the the pump and dump stocks, the meme stocks last year and the the altcoins. It's like, "Hey man, great, you made all that money on Doge. Great. Now sell it and put it in Bitcoin." Or, "Hey, awesome, you made all that money in AMC or, or GameStop. Sweet. Now sell that, take the profit and put it in Amazon or Apple or Tesla. Really Tesla." But none of them did that. They all thought it was still going to keep going. Whatever. That's kind of the approach. It's like you know. That's why I lo- it's it's like aside from everything else, like stocks can be fun a fun application to a lot of stuff in your life where you can see where you can make that you can apply the principles and be like, oh, I see some value here. I'm going to sell it and buy myself a blue chip investment here. So that's kind of what I'm doing with my comic books because hey, I got to have something to distract myself from this sell off that apparently is going to get worse god who knows hopefully not but i mean i don't think the sell-off is done yet i think we're just uh we're getting a little we're getting started not getting started but i think there's still some room to go but be careful uh deploy your cash slowly responsibly but man there's some real deals out there so don't don't um at the by the same token don't let this opportunity go to waste keep an eye on things buy a couple of things don't let it go to waste but but, uh, but tread carefully. So before we get out of here, we're going to pull up some more music from the walking Apollo to play us out and that will do it. So enjoy the rest of your week. Um, don't beat yourself up too much with these stocks, but just know that we're all in it together. And, uh, yeah. So here, enjoy some music and we'll see you next week.
1: Do the cracks start start to to show show? Mm -hmm. When will the mysteries evade